It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With the first pick, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Out of the gun, Richardson. Zips it over the middle to the tight end. Stroud off the play fake. Floats it with touch to the sideline. Young dances away from trouble. Foundation of a winning organization starts at the quarterback position. They believe in what they do. The key is experience. And how do young players get experience? They have to play. This is fun. Looks like we'll be seeing a lot of the first-round quarterbacks on the field this fall. As we say hello, welcome into NFL Live. It's Friday. We've got a great cast here, left, right, three to come. Bill Barwell in the house. Dan Graziano, I am Field Yates. We're going to start with one of those rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson. He got his final preseason tune-up last night against Philadelphia. The Colts were on the road last night in Philly. Here's the first pass of the game for Richardson. A deep shot doesn't connect. Pretty effortless by Richardson. Not quite there with Alex Pierce. Pretty good coverage down the field as well. A little bit later on. Next play, actually. Attempts to hit Michael Pittman across the middle. A little off target. Once again. And then we hear a little more progress. Michael Pittman gets a 13-yard gain right there in that throw across the middle. And then now we're cooking this 23-yard dart to Drew Ogletree across the middle as well. Richardson actually led the Colts to score on three of their first four drives, and that athleticism was on display. Look at that design run on the RPO right there, 16 yards, and then weird play right here. He's trying to throw the football, ends up being ruled a fumble. It's too early for me to be deciding whether the arm is going forward, the ball was secured or not. Michael Pittman recovered the fumble either way, so no harm, no foul. But again, sort of a little bit up and down last night for Pittman. The Colts win 27 to 13. NFL's next gen, uh, next gen stats completion percentage over expectation can tell you a lot about how accurate a quarterback has been. It takes into account how deep the throw is, how close the nearest defender is, and a whole bunch of other factors. Richardson has struggled hmm. out of the gate with that metric. The only quarterback worse, Marcus Mariota, so far this preseason. Here's head coach Shane Steichen talking about his young quarterback after the game. He did a solid job. You know, we scored three out of the first four drives, which is good. You know, the two-minute drive wasn't what we wanted. Um, but we'll go back, look at the tape. I, I thought he did some really good things and, you know, some things we got to clean up as well. Uh, honestly, I didn't know I threw the ball that many times. You know, uh, I did uh, see a couple of missed throws from me, uh, a couple of drops from the team. But that's just all with, with reps and uh, preparation. We like to play aggressive. We like to play fast. So just keep taking shots. You know, just try to find ways to click on all cylinders and, and just connect with each other, you know, so we can have this offense being explosive. Armina, we'll start with you. What did you make of Richardson's performance last night? Yeah, well, coming off of the uh, completion percentage over expectation number, I, I think his preseason his performance last night is such that the numbers, if you're just kind of box score scouting, don't really capture everything he did and did well. Um, don't think his receivers helped him out in certain situations, both with drops. Probably the best throw of the night was dropped by the rookie Josh Downs and separation. So I just want to say that. I think watching this offense, it looks a lot like we expected it to look when they drafted Anthony Richardson, knowing that Shane Steichen was the head coach. A lot of play action. 
Emphasis on the RPOs. Jalen Hurts had to be on that opposite sideline watching those RPOs saying, Shane, I thought that was our thing. We do the RPOs. Well, now Anthony Richardson does the RPOs, and he does them very well. Uh, another thing I, I noticed, uh, which I think is going to be something we're going to see a lot during the regular season, is the impact that merely the threat of him keeping the football and running has on defenses and how it helps the Colts' run game. On the third drive, where they scored a touchdown near the goal line, this wasn't the scoring run, but Evan Hull, who was their backup running back, we'll see how he moves up the death chart with Jonathan Taylor, um, it was zone read, and the linebacker was absolutely paralyzed by Anthony Richardson, the threat of him keeping wide open lane for Evan Hull. I think we're going to see that a lot during the season. I think the run game will flourish as a result. Mina, you're absolutely correct to say that we saw a lot of the RPOs and the, the elements of the passing attack that we expect with Anthony Richardson, but something has been missing during the preseason that I feel confident we're going to see come the regular season, and that is the designed quarterback run game. We have not seen very much of that so far with Anthony Richardson in the preseason. Only three, as far as I can tell, uh, designed quarterback runs for Richardson, one of which came last night and was 16 yards on a zone arc bluff where they Anthony Richardson read at defensive end, kept the football, and ran for 16 yards. That's going to be an essential part of their offense. We saw it with Jalen Hurts over the past couple of years in Philadelphia, and that's going to create both running lanes for the other running backs and play-action opportunities and throwing lanes for Richardson as yeah. a passer. Yeah, Bill, I think your, your optimism is correct on uh, the, the idea that he'll run more in the regular season. They know he can run, and, and there's no reason to, to put him in harm's way and also you know, take time away from what he needed to work on this preseason. And the stuff he needed to work on this preseason, he still needs to work on, which the Colts knew when they drafted him. But the word I keep hearing out of that building is poise. That he, when they put him in the preseason game the first time, they were impressed with his poise. There were things he did very well. There were things that he did not do so well. But they feel like the latter category, he can improve. Most importantly, the decision to start the season with him as the quarterback has a lot to do with that poise and their belief that when things inevitably go wrong, as they always will with a rookie quarterback, particularly one as inexperienced as Anthony Richardson, that it won't affect him emotionally or mentally in a damaging way. And I think that's vital. He'll be able to learn from his mistakes, but it won't, it won't hinder his progress. That's at least the belief inside of that building. You know, it's funny, thinking about the three quarterbacks that went in the top four, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud played at such dominant levels because of the programs they were in and the team around them. It's been an adjustment so far in the NFL in the preseason. Anthony Richardson is like exactly what he was billed as, right? Like immense upside. It's going to yep. take some time. There are going to be some moments that make you shake your head, and there are going to be other moments that make your jaw drop. I feel like even through three preseason games, we've been able to see exactly that from the fourth overall pick. He's the promising part of the Colts offense. The confusing part is the status of Jonathan Taylor. Of course, the star running back who is on the PUP list right now. Here's head coach Shane Steichen earlier this week on Taylor being allowed to try to find a trade partner. I'll start off. Um, I'm aware of obviously the reports with JT, uh, but my focus right now is on this football team, getting these guys ready to play. Again, uh, that's, those are the reports right now, and uh, we're working through those things. Are you hoping to see a resolution uh, at some point? In your like I said, I mean, with any of those, I'll, I'll refrain all those questions to Chris Ballard. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, cool. Thanks. First of all, Veteran move right there by the rookie head coach. <laughs> Let the GM handle the roster questions, Grass. But what do we know about the timeline in Indy as it pertains to a possible trade of Jonathan Taylor? 
You, you mean you didn't you didn't learn enough from what Shane Steichen said about Very it? Like it seemed like he, he, he really broke it all down for yeah. us. Yeah, look, the timeline is, is the deadline they put on this is Tuesday. Now, it's not a hard and fast deadline, but if it's going to happen, they'd like it to happen by end of day Tuesday because that's roster cut down day. A lot of other decisions have to be made uh, by 4 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday. So uh, we'll see. I think this is if it happens, it goes to the wire. I really do. I think this is a, a situation where the Colts right now are asking for a lot. There are teams that are interested. But if you're an interested team, not only do you have to satisfy the Colts in terms of what they want in exchange for Jonathan Taylor, you're going to have to satisfy Jonathan Taylor, mm. most likely with a contract extension, yeah. because the Colts didn't want to give him one. That's the reason we're even having this conversation. So that's a difficult you know, needle to thread for an interested team. But there are interested teams. Miami has been one of the teams that has engaged with the Colts, and there are others that have at least called to see what it would take. I think this goes through the weekend and into the early part of next week. And honestly, I don't know if it ends with him being traded. Yeah, Bill, it seems like Miami is the team has been the most speculated as a potential trade partner for Jonathan Taylor. Do you think there's a different team that might also be a logical suitor? Absolutely. I feel like the Chicago Bears make so much sense to me when it comes to these Taylor negotiations. We've seen them invest heavily in wanting to surround Justin Fields with pieces, whether that was Chase Claypool last, uh, last year or DJ Moore this past offseason. Justin Fields has a relatively small contract this year and potentially next year as well. So that could be a situation where the, the Bears have the cap space to afford a Jonathan Taylor contract. And they have backs they like. Cool uh, Herbert looked very good last year, uh, playing in a secondary role today from Montgomery. Roshan Johnson, the rookie from Texas, looks promising. But Jonathan Taylor, I think everyone would agree, is a different caliber of back. So absolutely, yeah. if the Bears can make it work, I think they should give, at least give, the, uh, give them a call. I like to remind people that the opinion of a few does not always represent the full reality. But I have sensed some dubious parties around the NFL that the Colts will be able to find any deal that satisfies them, as Graz says, and can also yeah. eventually satisfy Jonathan Taylor. Let's go to Kansas City as the Chiefs still don't have their best defensive player at training camp. As Chris Jones says, he might be willing to sit out until week eight of the regular season amidst um, contract displeasure. Uh, Graz, what else can you tell us about where things stand in Kansas City right now? You know, it's amazing, Field, it is, as, as far as I can tell, nothing's really changed on this yeah. situation since training camp opened and Chris Jones was not there. His demands have been higher than the Chiefs anticipated and higher than the Chiefs have been willing to meet. And so far, there really hasn't been any progress that I'm aware of toward a deal. Now they have time. There's a couple more weeks. It's not like he has to come in and learn a new defense. Uh, if he signed next week, he could probably be ready to go for week one. So it's not really the danger zone yet, but it's getting close. I mean, we're what? A little less than two weeks now till the Chiefs opener, and, and I'm sure they'd like to have this wrapped up at some point uh, between the end of the preseason games and that Thursday night opener. This is a tricky one. I mean, it's easy for me to say pay, pay Chris Jones, but without knowing how much he is exactly asking for, it could be outside of the realm of possibility for Kansas City, and there could be a good reason for them uh, to push back. That said, I will say I believe Chris has quite a bit of leverage, an unusual amount of leverage for uh, compared to other players on this football team um, for a couple of reasons. One, he is one of, if not the best defensive tackle in football, played a ton of snaps last year, more than any other defensive tackle. So they need him on the field. They need him playing well. And they don't have a lot of depth 
behind him. Uh, Kalen Saunders was a defensive tackle with the second most pressures. He is now in New Orleans. Yeah. They've got a lot of youth at that edge position. But when you look at this defense under Steve Spagnuolo that has so many young players, promising guys, it really needs Chris Jones rushing, sometimes from the edge, but on the inside. And yeah. I imagine he has to know that uh, when he's making these kinds of demands. Yeah, with a base salary of north of $19 million, we're talking about a $1 million per game miss fine for Chris Jones. As he also said on Twitter, by the way, though, he can afford it. Can't relate. <laughs> We're just getting started Must be nice. on NFL Live. Uh, Bill Barmel has a list of teams he thinks will take a big jump this season. Here who he has his eyes on. Plus, Aaron Rodgers is going to make his preseason debut tomorrow. With the O-line being a fairly large concern, Brad tells us what the Jets plan on doing with that unit. Stay tuned. Don't stop the rock like TikTok. Don't stop the clock to break the door till the early morning. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The 54th season of Monday Night Football kicks off with a week one matchup presented by YouTube TV. Josh Allen and the Bills will square off against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on September 11th. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are back for their second season at 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN Deportes, ESPN, of course, and ESPN+. Plus. Peyton and Eli are also back for their third season on ESPN2. Coverage begins with Monday Night Countdown at 6 Eastern. Here are the rules. Bill Barlow writes, I read it. And he had a great piece on ESPN.com this week where he laid out four teams he expects can improve this season. We're all going to weigh in on these teams. Mina, you go first. Who do you see taking a step forward this fall? I'm going to throw out the Miami Dolphins, largely because of what I love about their defense. The defense that in the first half of last season was 25th in EPA, improved to 6th in the second half. They did that without getting many interceptions, which usually tends to turn luckwise. Losing Jalen Ramsey for a long period hurt, but I think that their new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, will call a much less aggressive defense, not put those corners on islands, and I absolutely love this defensive front. 
I'm going to go way out on a limb here and pick the Chicago Bears. Hey. They had the worst record in the league last year. I know, I know, bold. I know <laughs> that, that's how I roll. But I really do think this is a team that's going to show a lot of improvement. They, they hit free agency pretty hard on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in DJ Moore as a top receiver for Justin Fields, added on the offensive line. I really think they, they might be a year away from really sort of contending, but I think they've made significant strides this offseason. I think you'll see a much better team and a much more competent passing offense. Then I'll go with a team that's felt a year away for about five or six years yeah. now, and that's the Denver Broncos, where, of course, I don't need to tell you what happened last year. A lot of things didn't go well. One thing that did happen, though, is they were the most injured team in football. Counting on that to improve, although Jerry Judy getting hurt doesn't exactly make me feel smart yeah. in predicting that. But you also look at how Sean Payton did over his last three seasons in New Orleans. The big number for me is 17 and four. That was his record over the final three years in games where he did not have Drew Brees, where he was starting Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, hmm. or Jameis Winston at quarterback. What that tells me, you don't need Russell Wilson to be a superstar for this team to win. He just has to play better than he did in 2022. Yeah, 1.7 touchdowns per game scored on offense last year by the Broncos. That should be an easy bar to clear. But let's talk about this Broncos team a little bit more here, Mina. Do you agree with Bill's assessment on the potential mm. improvement? I think he's right in that they'll be, they'll be better. They'll win more than five games. Um, Sean Payton is the number one reason I agree with that. I think he's one of the best offensive uh, play callers, coaches in NFL history. We saw him do it without Drew Brees at points during uh, his Saints career. So I think he can elevate Russell Wilson. I also think, to Bill's point, uh, it is unlikely that they will have injury luck as bad as they did last season. Now, uh, a wide receiver, unfortunately, you do seem to be cursed with Tim Patrick uh, going down again this summer, which is awful news, and now this with Judy. But the offensive line is what I would point to as the unit where I think if they're healthier, it's going to help a lot. Obviously, they went out, signed Mike McGlinchey to a huge contract to play right tackle, brought in Ben Powers from Baltimore, who's very good in pass protection. Last year, it was a train wreck. Uh, and Russell Wilson, who has a propensity to hold on to the football, took so many sacks. This year, I still think he's going to take a lot of sacks. But I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. That'll help the run game. That'll help the offense. They just need to be average. Uh, Bill cursed the Broncos when he mentioned their really bad luck last year with injuries because, of course, Jerry Judy got hurt <laughs> yesterday at practice. So, Graz, what do we yeah. know about the injury at this point? Well, it's not good, Field. I, Jerry Judy's expected to miss some time with this hamstring injury, and I do think it's reasonable to expect that means, you know, some regular season game. Jeez. And at this point, forecast, yeah, forecasting a, a timeline on this, all we've really been able to pin down is several weeks. Of course, that could mean three weeks, four weeks, five, we, we don't know. But, uh, you know, he, he limped off the field, he, he hopped onto a cart, he had to be helped on and off the cart. So, obviously, it's a significant injury, and as Mina referenced, Tim Patrick already tore his Achilles earlier in camp. Uh, K.J. Hamler is dealing with a health issue that, you know, it, it sounds like it, it could be pretty serious. So, so I think there's, there's a <laughs> roster cuts next week, right? Uh, don't be surprised if the Broncos start looking at wide receivers as they get, uh, as they get cut from other people's mm -hmm. uh, teams. Yeah, Graz, months ago, some wondered whether the Broncos would be willing to part ways with one of those yeah. two wide receivers, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. That's true. Like right it's a good thing they didn't. Yeah. Very yeah. wise move to keep both of them on the roster. All right, coming up here, Trey Lance at one point seemed to be the 49ers' future. Now he looks like their path. We'll discuss what we think went wrong and what could be next for the former first-rounder. That's next year on NFL Live.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're back on NFL Live, and let's get to some top stories here with Dan Graziano. Dan, what do we know about the health of Cooper Cup out in L.A.? Uh, it's good, it sounds like. He returned to practice this week after injury, about three weeks after injuring his hamstring in practice earlier in camp. And uh, his hope and, and expectation is that he'll be ready to go week one. Obviously, they'll be careful with him and make sure he doesn't have any kind of setback. But, you know, they felt like it would be a few weeks when he heard it. It was. Now he's back at practice and he's feeling good. Keeping on the wide receiver theme, Terry McLaurin of the Washington Commanders injured his toe in last week's preseason game, Monday night's preseason game. Uh, there's a chance he's okay for week one. There's at least some hope in that building that he's okay for week one, but it's entirely possible that he may have to miss a game or two with that turf toe injury. If he comes back, he's not likely to be 100% right away, so they may want to wait until such time as he is. And quarterback Trey Lance expected to play for the San Francisco 49ers tonight in their preseason game against the Chargers. But will that be the last time we see Trey Lance playing for the San Francisco 49ers? The number three pick in the draft just a couple of years ago. He learned this week that he is now number three on the quarterback depth chart in San Francisco. Uh, and as a result, the Niners are looking around and fielding some calls and seeing if maybe it might be best for everyone if they found Trey Lance, a different place to play. He could be someone else who's on the move here toward the end of the preseason. Yeah, Graz, it's not often that a team's backup quarterback battle is the biggest storyline of training camp this week, but that was the case for <laughs> the 49ers. True. The entire organization weighed in with some thoughts. I mean, I would think probably announce it before we play Pittsburgh, but not this game. Rotate throughout the week. Definitely, yeah. Really, starting back from OTAs all the way to now, I mean, it was a hell of a battle. They, they were neck and neck for a long time, but just really over these last, you know, 10 days and stuff, we felt Sam started to separate himself. This isn't a thing that we're giving up on Trey. If we could find a landing spot for Trey that is, you know, is a really good one for him and, you know, works for our organization, that's not something we, we turn a blind eye to, but that's not where our focus is right now. Yeah, there's, there's, viable options for all players but right now Trey's a part of our team and we're going to move forward with that in mind. All right Mina this is a complicated situation to say the least third round pick third overall pick just two years ago is there a team that makes sense as a possible trade partner in your mind? Yeah it's a team that's been linked to him there's been some rumors about uh, whether or not they've been talking to San Francisco about Lance and, and that's Minnesota. Uh, I like the Vikings as the destination for Lance 
For a couple of reasons, one of which is I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings next year yeah. uh, when Kirk Cousins is a free agent. I don't think anyone does. There's no heir apparent on their roster right now, so it would be advantageous for them to be able to bring in Trey as the backup, see what they have in him, um, and it would also be a homecoming for him, frankly, which I actually think does matter. You know, this is a player who really needs a change of scenery. I like Kevin O'Connell as an offensive coach, I think it would be a good landing spot for him. Yeah, I think that's the key is to look for a team whose quarterback situation beyond this year is unsettled, right? And, and Minnesota is obviously such a team. Tampa Bay could be a team like that. Arizona, although they made three trades yesterday, I'm still waiting. They've done nothing today. Too quiet out in Arizona. I'm, I'm still waiting <laughs> to see what, what their next move is. You know, but, but, yeah, I think a team that, that, that is – willing to take a shot on a talented 23-year-old that they really feel like has talent and can, can be developed and could be the answer long-term, but also doesn't really overcommit you, right? Like you bring in Trey Lance, you're not locking in for a number of years. The rookie contract's almost all completely paid, uh, and, you, and it's a low-risk move. So I think looking around for teams like that in Minnesota obviously is one of those teams. Yeah, the financials, Dan, to dive a little bit deeper there is for this season, very manageable. $940,000 owed to Trey Lance and base salary. The problem is it skyrockets north of $5 million next year, which may be a total bargain if he is a starting quarterback. Still. But at this point, how can anybody right. say what Trey Lance is? Because, of course, he has shown very little because he's just been on the field so rarely. All right, let's get Bill Barnwell back in the mix here. And, Bill, you have an article right now on ESPN.com. It is so comprehensive and well done. In the end, the team, this team, the 49ers, has made back-to-back -back NFC title games and three out of four. Is the miss on Trey Lance that big of a deal in your estimation? It absolutely is, Field. It's even more uh, of a problematic miss than it would be if the Niners were just an average football team. Because remember what that trade looked like in that draft. So the Niners got Trey Lance, the Dolphins moved down and then back up. They got Jalen Waddle. Eventually they used the other two first round picks to get Bradley Chubb and Tyreek Hill. The mm -hmm. Eagles moved back up. They get Devontae Smith. And at 12, the guy the Cowboys took with the pick that the Niners originally had, uh -oh. a little known defensive player by the oh. name of Micah Parsons. Jeez. It's, it's just brutal. And you can think about those two championship games the Niners have lost the past couple of years. Could Micah Parsons have made a difference in 2021 when the Rams uh, got 47 Matthew Stafford dropbacks and he was only sacked twice by the 49ers front four? Net last year, where Trey Lance gets hurt early in the season, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, Brock Purdy gets hurt in the NFC Championship game. If they had stayed put in 12 and drafted a different quarterback, like Mac Jones, for example, do they need to go to Josh Johnson in the NFC Championship game? Do they beat the Eagles? Oh, obviously hypotheticals, you can't know that when you make the pick, but it has been very damaging to the Niners over the past couple seasons, even though they've been one of the best teams in football. Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where a couple things are true at the same time. Bill mm. is absolutely right in that this was a failure and it hurt the Niners organization. The fact that they've been so good in spite of it is a testament to, I think, the talent of a few stars on their team and also their unbelievable coaching on both sides of the ball. That's true, but I also think it was a perfect storm of bad luck for both the player and the team. Yeah. A player who clearly needed reps but was too injured to give them and a team that, you know, early in his career was too good to give the inexperienced player those reps, which perhaps is something 
they should have been more aware of. But they did intend to start him last year, his second season, and then, of course, he had the injury. And that's why, you know, I, I, I think the Niners, they obviously made a mistake when it came to the evaluation of the player, even though we don't know exactly who he is because of his lack of experience. But I also think they do deserve some leeway, and so does Trey, because of those injuries and just because of the amount of bad luck that he's had. It was a big swing and an upside play, right? They already had Jimmy Garoppolo, but the thinking was Jimmy Garoppolo can take us so far, and also Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay on the field. Remember, the, remember what happened. In, in December of the year before, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers got smoked by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and before and after that game, all Kyle Shanahan was talking about was Josh Allen and what you could do as a coach and an offensive play caller if you had a player that could do all those things. Big cannon arm, incredible running ability, size. So he thought, hey, this could be that kind of guy. He's got that kind of raw ability. What they did was they underestimated how much of an impact his lack of experience playing the game of football was going to have on his ability to develop. Yeah. And yes, if they don't win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy as the starting quarterback, then this has to go down as a significant whiff. Yeah, and you just mentioned lack of experience, Dan. A little bit of context on how few Trey Lance, how many how few games he has played so far for the 49ers. I want to make sure I read this correctly. If he is traded and does not play again for the 49ers, that would be the fewest games, eight, by a top five pick for the franchise he debuted with in the common draft era. Eight total games potentially for the third overall pick in That's the draft. Wow. Not uh, good. Come. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense have been rolling this preseason. But can it translate to the regular season? Bill tells us why he believes Pittsburgh could take a step backwards this year. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game, and with the season right around the corner, get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. You know who's been cooking? Kenny Pickett. Let's watch him and the Steelers offense take on the Falcons last night. Early, hot, third and five. Kenny Pickett deep to Deontay Johnson. I hope he scores at least one Ooh. touchdown this season. What a dot that was by Kenny Pickett. Good for 33 yards. Once again, Kenny Pickett firing the ball down the field. Second and 10. 
plus territory. All George Pickens does is make really cool catches and usually make them look very, very simple. Check out the ball placement here by Kenny Pickett, a spot where only George Pickens, that incredible talent on the outside, can make the catch. Steelers go up 7-0 after Najee Harris finishes the drive off with a one-yard run. Speaking of Najee Harris, here he is, 16 yards. Dylan Warren would eventually score. Here's Mike Tomlin, their head coach, after the game. I think the growth is probably associated with, with being him and not necessarily the surface-level things associated with the position, but the leadership things, the communication things, the bringing people together things. That is significant. It's not play-related, but it is because he is the catalyst for that unit. He controls the pace and the tenor of that unit, and, and I just think if he's comfortable, that unit has an opportunity to be comfortable, and I think that's probably the most significant difference. Kenny Pickett has been incredible this preseason. He leads the NFL in yards per attempt, first down percentage, passer rating. He's been the quarterback for five drives. All five ended Perfect. in Steelers touchdowns. So earlier we ran through Bill Barmo's teams that he thinks could improve this year. He also oh, touched no. on a few teams that could be taking a step back this season, and the Steelers were on that list. Uh, Bill, don't you know that preseason is the only thing that matters? How could you possibly have the Steelers on this list? I don't feel great after watching that drive. Kenny Pickett looked awesome. The <laughs> offense looked great. But I do have a couple reasons to believe they're not going to be as good, not only as they've been in the preseason, but as good as they were, especially during the second half of last season. Remember, they were 2-6 and six with their bye. They were finished. We all knew Mike Tomlin's streak was ending, and then they got hot. They started winning games. They finished 9-8. and eight. The Tomlin prophecy continued because they stopped turning the football over. They turned the ball over just five times in their nine games after the bye. Now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're Tom Brady, that kind of offense, maybe you can sustain that. But Kenny Pickett is still a young player, holds the football for a long time, takes a bunch of sacks. I don't buy that they can continue to avoid turnovers in that way. And you, on top of that, you add the defense and the offense, which was uh, the healthiest team in football last year altogether. I just don't know that I can see them sustaining it the way they did last year. You want to talk about things that probably can't be sustained. How about the Minnesota Vikings and what they did last year? Yeah. Like, I mean, seriously, like they won 11 one-score games. Like that, that, that would be my team to, to, to regress uh, in terms of uh, uh, this year. But I guess we're talking – sorry, I guess we're talking about the Steelers. Look, I think the, I think the Steelers are going to be uh, better on offense this year. I think, you know, they, they threw 12 touchdown passes last year. But I think it's a significant year for that offense and for the coordinator, Matt Canada. It's his third year there. The first year it was written off because Ben Roethlisberger was done. The second year it was, well, Trubisky and then the rookie Pickett. So this is the time to show improvement there and show that they know what they're doing in terms of building a passing game. I like the Steelers offense. I don't want to re overreact to the preseason and, and that drive they were playing the Falcons backups. I know. But when you watch them, and this is the key, when you're watching preseason football, you're trying to say, okay, what can I actually draw from what I'm seeing here, accounting for competition and the vanilla nature of offenses and defenses? A few things have really jumped out to me. Kenny Pickett has made some really spectacular throws. He's done it from inside the pocket, which is something I think – we didn't see enough last season, even during their run. Uh, he bailed on pockets at times. A lot of his splash plays were made outside of it. I think the offensive line looks improved, uh, both in pass protection and run blocking. I really like Jalen Warren, who's the other running back, and I hope he gets carries and targets. 
And finally, and this is probably the take I feel the best about watching them, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, I think this season make a leap to being one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the entire NFL. Mm. Um, such a complimentary set of skill sets. Uh, Pickens, of course, gets tons of credit for his contested catch ability, but I think he is constantly improving as a route runner. You've seen that at times. And then Deontay Johnson is just one of the most underrated separators in football. Uh, with that group of weapons and some young players as well, I have a lot of confidence in their ability to improve on what we saw last year, even if I have questions about the play caller. And, I, you know, but otherwise, I feel pretty good about them. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely unequivocally 100% not the jilted fantasy manager in me. But I think Deontay Johnson is going to score a touchdown <laughs> this year. I really think there's a chance he will find the end zone after only 85 catches last year with zero receiving touchdowns. All right, coming up next, first of all, everybody be kind to Bill. He's the best. Aaron Rodgers will take the field for the Jets tomorrow during a preseason finale. Most of the offensive line probably watching from the sideline. Here why Mina is locked in on how he distributes the football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We've got the final week of preseason upon us. Mina, you're first. Give us one thing you're interested in watching from this weekend's game. Yeah, so we're hearing the Bills are probably going to play their starters. I say probably because they say that, and then it's one drive, and half the guys aren't playing. But whatever, I want to see some of their starters, <laughs> especially on defense. We talked a lot about this offense, uh, but I have questions about whether the Bills can sustain a success on the other side of the ball. I want to see what the pass rush looks like without Von Miller, if they can get to Justin Fields, and also if the starting cornerbacks look healthy and ready to go into a season opener against the New York Jets. I'm interested in watching the Browns offense. Deshaun Watson asked for it. He said he wanted to play the final week of the preseason. Well, by all accounts, he's going to get his wish. I want to see what the offensive line looks like, if Deshaun Watson is going to be used as a defined runner on design runs, and I want to see who's going to win the receiving jobs across from Amari Cooper. Still up for grabs there. So Browns, a lot to play for here in the final week of the preseason. Looking at the Houston Texans, the only team that hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. C.J. Stroud, the rookie, widely expected to get the job, but they haven't made it official yet. Uh, I don't. I think it would be a shock if he if he weren't the starting quarterback in Week One. But this follows what we were told heading into the preseason, which is they really wanted to get a look at him in preseason games, see how he handled things, see how he looked when the pocket broke down around him, and and uh, and uh, assuming he's going to play in this game. 
They, they want to get one more look at him before they make any final decisions, or at least before they let the rest of us know uh, what they're going to do. Yeah, C.J. Stroud should be the starter. I think he showed us why in his second start. First start against New England, a lot of adversity, a lot of pressure. Second start looked a bit more comfortable uh, with some starters there on the offensive line. And you saw some of the qualities that really made me love him as a prospect, particularly his ability to throw with touch, the ball placement, uh, the accuracy throwing on the move, as you see here. That is a dime. That is something we saw a lot at Ohio State. So while it might not be pretty at first, uh, you're seeing the glimpses of the tools that made him go second overall. I'm excited to see what he does in this final week. And it's not just C.J. Stroud and what he does in this final week, but also what this receiving core does. Because we want to see yeah. who's going to be that guy for C.J. Stroud by the end of the year. For the Texans, I believe they wanted to be John Mechie, the player they traded up to grab in the second round of last year's draft. Of course, Mechie missed all of last season. He was batting leukemia. Thankfully, he's back. But he battled a hamstring injury in minicamp. Not 100% yet. I think we're going to see the Texans battle. Might, might be Nico Collins. Could be Dalton Schultz, their free agent addition. But a lot to play for here in terms of figuring out who's going to be the primary target for C.J. Stroud as we enter the beginning of the season. Yeah, I know ESPN Bet hasn't officially launched, but I got to figure the odds of C.J. Stroud being named the quarterback for the Houston Texans are like minus 95,000. <laughs> and that might be too low, by the way. He will be the starting quarterback in week one. The thing that I am looking forward to is Aaron Rodgers playing in a preseason game. 34 quarterbacks made at least 10 starts in 2022. 12 of them have not played at all in this year's preseason. Rodgers will be falling off this list after uh, this weekend as the four-time MVP will be out there for a final tune-up. Here's what the Jets had to say this week at training camp. I used to enjoy playing the preseason back in back in my younger years. Even though he's been in the league for 19 years, he's got he's going into a new stadium. He's got new colors on. He's got new teammates, new play caller. Everything's new. We got to get a lot done the next two weeks. This is when the speed kind of amps up a little bit. Urgency amps up. As much as, as it is for him, it's even more so for the guys around him. I don't feel like I'm the snapping type anymore. I mean, I'm going to raise my level of uh, intensity, but that doesn't mean I'm going to you know, embarrass anybody. I don't want to just throw him out there for a series and get him out. Not sure how long it's going to be, but it'll be good to be out there with the guys. All right, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing this Jets offense, but are you, what are you looking forward to specifically to see from this Jets offense with Rodgers under center for however long that is? Yeah, you know, Rodgers is very intentional with his words. He's also very intentional with his choices, his targets. And I think there's going to be a lot to learn from watching to see who gets those targets and how, even if it is just one or two drives. All offseason long, we have heard the comparisons between Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams. But the thing he had with Devontae Adams that made that connection so special was that implicit trust that if he threw it to his back shoulder, Adams would come down with it. He could attempt any tight window throw. So I'd like to see, is that symbiosis there yet with Garrett Wilson? And then after him on the depth chart, assuming Alan Lazard, who of course he has familiarity with, is number two. Does Michael Hardman get targets to number three? We're hearing about Randall Cobb climbing up, his old friend, in camp. Uh, I, I think there'll be a lot to learn, and I think it'll be really important because last season in Green Bay, you could really argue the lack of trust between Aaron Rodgers and those young wide receivers really tanked the Green Bay offense at times. Is that trust there in New York? We're not going to know right away, but I think we're going to get a little, a little bit of a glimpse at it, even in a limited outing. Yeah, and Mina... 
Randall Cobb's going to play, right? Because he is Aaron Rodgers' closest friend on the team. <laughs> of and trust he'll play. certainly matters to <laughs> Rodgers, especially in these <sighs> new surroundings. Uh, Graz, of course, the big story all preseason with the Jets, besides the fact that they now have a four-time MVP as their quarterback, has been the health and at times poor play of the offensive line. What do we know about their plans for that unit tomorrow? Well, look, I think Mekhi Becton on the right side at right tackle is the, is the key thing to watch because he was just named the starting right tackle this week, and it's a switch for him. He's played left tackle his whole life. They're, they're hoping to go with Dwayne Brown, the veteran at left tackle, but he was just cleared off the PUP list this week, so you're not going to see him uh, in the game. He's not ready for that. They're hoping he may be ready for week one. But, yeah, the, the tackle position is what we've had our eye on all offseason for the Jets, uh, and if that can hold up, then I think a lot of the concerns will be answered. But a lot of that has to do with the health of Dwayne Brown, the 38-year-old veteran, and the ability of Mekhi Becton to transition Ooh. from the left side to the right side and stay healthy, something he hasn't been able to do the last couple of years. That's 100% true, Dan. Mekhi Becton has played just one game over the past two seasons because of various injuries. Thankfully, looking the healthiest he's been in several years, but now he's moving from left tackle to right tackle, and that might not sound like a big deal. You're still playing offensive line. You're still pass protecting. You're still run blocking. But when you talk to NFL offensive linemen, it is not an easy move. Your footwork is different. Your punch hand is different. You're moving differently. You're thinking about the, your, your muscle memory. The stuff you've been doing for years on the left side, now you're doing differently on the right side. And that's going to take some time for Mekhi Becton to adjust. The player who is still recovering from knee, knee issues, he has not been able to practice 100% week after week, day after day. He's still a work in progress. And this is not a team that has time to deal for works in progress. They have uh, a terrible schedule to start the season, terribly difficult. And they have a 39-year-old quarterback who wants to win a Super Bowl this year. So Mekhi Becton has to figure this out on the fly. Yeah, Bill, I remember when I covered the Giants talking to David Deal one year in training camp. He was moving from left to right or right to left. He moved all over the place, yeah. played every position on the line for the Giants. But I said, how long does it take you to, to make the switch if you're going from right to left tackle or left to right tackle? He said, three weeks. I need three weeks, and then everything seems natural. Now, of course, that was a veteran who had played it before and was used to making those kinds of changes, whereas Becton's a young player who hasn't. But even then, I mean, you're talking about, what, couple of weeks till the season starts. Yeah, I will say this for the Jets. While their offensive line is a concern, it's a shared concern for all but like 30, like all but like two teams. <laughs> right. in like 30 out of 32 teams need more <laughs> offensive line depth right now. So the Jets are definitely not alone, and they're currently thin protection up front. All right, we got time now for one more thing before we go. And the players are not the only ones getting some preseason reps in. Check out our guy, Boom, working out on his craft down in the Pacific Northwest. August 2023, the Seattle Seahawks have a secret weapon of quarterback. Is that Coach Pete Carroll throwing the out for a touchdown? Then, Coach, what? Look at the no look. And then he's directing traffic, throwing against his body. My goodness, he still does a 4-4-40. Even the big-name receivers want to catch balls from him. There's Lockett. There's DK Metcalf. You know what? This year in the NFL, you can dress a third quarterback. Seahawks. Don't need to dress Coach P. First of all, a reminder, primetime back on Sunday. Second of all, Mina, if Pete were under center for your Seahawks, I think they're still a playoff team. are set at offensive tackle and like some of the teams so maybe <laughs> if he was uh, protected long enough uh, 
A little bit worried, though, about the mobility factor, but the arm strength appears to be there. Pretty impressive, and may we all keep that youthful exuberance that continues to power Pete Carroll every single <laughs> yes. day. NFL Live, back here on Monday. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.